Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you're here. Welcome those of you over in East Hall. And those of you over in East Hall, it was great to uh, be there live last week. I preached last week over on that side and then it was broadcast up here. When I was over there, so many of those in East Hall uh, acted like they were surprised I was a real person. And I just want you guys to know I'm just right across the hall right now. Anyway, but uh, those of you who are tuning in, uh, if you have uh, gone on spring break to somewhere warm and sunny, we can admit you chose wisely. But we look forward to having you back next week. All right, we have a theme this year. And our theme is to make Jesus famous. Make Jesus famous. We've chosen that theme for a couple of reasons. One, Jesus commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And what that means is wherever you are going in the world, whether you're going home or, or to work or to school or to shop, you are to be looking for opportunities to tell people who Jesus is and what he has done. That's what it means to go into all the world. The other reason that we want to make Jesus famous is because Jesus is just so extraordinary. He's just so amazing. The reason I do what I do, the reason I chose to go into ministry is because I had an encounter with Jesus, and he wrecked me with his love and his grace and his forgiveness, and I have never been the same. And from that day, many, many years ago, I decided I would spend my life introducing people to Jesus. And so uh, as our theme, Make Jesus Famous, is means that collectively we are trying to make Jesus known everywhere to everyone this year, which means that if you bring a friend here to Christ Community Chapel this year, no matter what weekend you choose, they will hear a message about Jesus. And that's true of most years and most weekends, but it's particularly true this year because of this theme to make him famous. All right. Right now, we are in a series called Only Jesus. And uh, we are looking at different things that only Jesus offers. The first week, we talked about how only Jesus offers joy, and then only Jesus offers life, and then only Jesus offers light. And then last week, only Jesus offers sight. This week is a special week because this week it gets personal. Jesus gets personal. Because uh, while joy and life and light and sight are all wonderful things, uh, they're not as intimate as what Jesus claims in the passage that we're going to look at today. We even struggled with trying to find a title. We talked about only Jesus leads, only Jesus provides in the, the devotional that we put together for you to carry you through this series the chapter for this week is we called Only Jesus is Trustworthy. But I have settled in on finally on this title, which is Only Jesus is the True Shepherd. Only Jesus is the True Shepherd. And the reason that I say it's personal is out of all the relationships that a human being can have with an animal, whether it's raising cattle or raising horses or raising chickens or even having pets like dogs and cats, there is no relationship that is more comprehensive between a human being and an animal than that of a shepherd and a sheep. Let me show you what I mean. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 10. And all these messages uh, for this series are coming out of the Gospel of John. And if, by the way, if you are 
uh, not a Christian, and you, you are here, then uh, it, the Gospel of John is a good place to start to learn about Jesus, good place to start to read the Bible. While the whole Bible is about Jesus, John gives you a head start to know about who Jesus is. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 10, verses 7 through 15. This is what it says. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is God's word. Three questions I want to answer this morning. First question, why sheep? Why does Jesus call us sheep? Why does he compare us to sheep? Second question, why shepherd? Why does Jesus compare himself to a shepherd? Why does he call himself the good shepherd? And the third question is, what does it mean when Jesus becomes your true shepherd? What does it mean when Jesus becomes your true shepherd? Okay, first question, why sheep? One of my go-to questions with my kids when they were little and now with my grandkids is if we're walking along and uh, not talking and I wanted them to talk, I'll ask them, hey, if you could be any animal in the whole world, what kind of animal would you be? It's a great question for little kids because you can just see their minds whirling and they all love animals and you can tell something about the child by uh, the animal they choose. I have one grandson who will ask me, if I ask that question, he'll say, can I go prehistoric? Because he loves dinosaurs. And so they'll choose, uh, they'll choose an animal like an eagle or a dolphin or a Tyrannosaurus rex or a jaguar. But in all the times I've asked that question, I've never had a child look at me and say to me, Papa, if I could be any animal in the entire world, the animal I would be is a sheep, right? Nobody wants to be a sheep. And of course, the question then is, since Jesus could choose from all the animals in the entire world, when he decided to choose an animal to compare you to, to compare me to, why did he choose a sheep? I'm going to give you three characteristics of sheep. And these three characteristics are, are why nobody wants to be a sheep and probably why Jesus says we are like sheep, right? First characteristic is sheep are terribly dependent. They're terribly dependent. They're the exact opposite of self-sufficient. You can have wild horses. You can have wild dogs. You can even have wild cats, right? They call them feral cats, I think. But there are no wild sheep. You'll never hear about uh, wild sheep roaming the hills of southern Ohio, right? <laughs> And the reason we say there are wild horses, wild dogs, wild even cats is because they can make it on their own, at least for a while. 
And with dogs and cats, if they wander away from your home, most of the time they can find their way back home, but sheep can do neither. They can't sustain themselves by themselves because they are so dependent they can't find their way back home. And then when they're out there, they are terribly vulnerable, right? They are defenseless. They are the nature's snack cakes walking around for predators, right? They, predators sees them, they can just walk up to them. They don't even have to run. They can walk up to a sheep and snatch them, right? Sheep are completely defenseless. They're vulnerable, they're dependent, and they don't seem to even know it, which brings me to the second characteristic of sheep, and that's they're clueless. Sheep are clueless, and they don't know they're clueless. Like gazelles, a gazelle in the plains of the Serengeti, they know they're vulnerable out there standing on the plain, which is why they're so twitchy, right? They're very high-strung. Sheep are not high-strung. And it's not because they're very confident. It's because they're blissfully ignorant. And they're ignorant of both the shepherd, the, the presence of a shepherd, and they're ignorant of the dangers that lie around them. Which leads me to the third characteristic of sheep, and that's that sheep are prone to wander. Sheep graze with their heads straight down, and they go wherever they can find a patch of grass, and they, since they are ignorant of both the shepherd and the dangers that lie around them, then they are prone to wander into danger, which is why a shepherd is equipped the way a shepherd is equipped. You know the story of David and Goliath. Right? David goes up against Goliath, this giant, and he slays the giant with a sling and a rock. Why did David have a sling? Because he was a shepherd. And the shepherd had three tools, a rod, a staff, and a sling. And a sling the shepherd would use because the sheep would wander, and a shepherd would be watching his sheep, and as one would start to wander away, he would grab his sling, put a rock in it, and let that rock fly, and he wouldn't be trying to hit the sheep he would land the rock right in front of the sheep. So the sheep has its heads down, and then the rock hits, and they are startled, and so they turn. They don't know where the rock came from or what happened or why it happened. They just turn, and they turn the way the shepherd wants them to turn. Out of all the animals that Jesus could have chosen to compare you to, to compare me to, he chose a sheep we're wildly dependent. We're clueless, prone to wander. Human beings are, we are terribly dependent beings, but we don't like to think of ourselves as dependent, so we think of ourselves as independent, as self-sustaining. We, we are the wide receivers of the animal kingdom. And I say that, those of you who are not football fans, you'll have to bear with me for a minute while I vent. But wide receivers just drive me crazy. And I know that the Browns just got Odell Beckham, which I'm thrilled with. I think he's really going to help the team. But he's a prima donna, just like all wide receivers are in the NFL. Because wide receivers, when they score a touchdown, act like they're the only ones that participated. And what happens in a play with when a wide receiver scores a touchdown, this is what happens. There are seven huge men who are blocking other, another seven huge men to give them time to run their pattern. There are three other men running other patterns that distract the defense. Then there's one man who has the amazing ability to throw a football, not to where the wide receiver is, but to where the wide receiver will be by the time the football gets there. And if by chance, against all odds, 
that football gently lands in the hands of the receiver and he scores a touchdown. Instead of running back to thank everybody who participated in his success like an Oscar recipient, he goes to the corner of the end zone and does something like this, just like to the whole crowd going, look what I have done. Right? We are the wide receivers of the animal kingdom. To think that we are independent, to think that you are self-sustaining is just silly. Right? I, I ate breakfast this morning. I didn't grow a thing. I drank water. I did not dig a well. I'm wearing clothes. I did not sew. And you probably did all that too. Physically, we are anything but self-sustaining. Spiritually, we're even worse. We have no idea what we need spiritually. We have no idea how to get something provided for us spiritually. We have no idea to heal our spiritual wounds. Jesus says, we're like sheep because we're terribly dependent. But we're also clueless. We have no idea what we don't know. This is what, this is what I mean. This past week, I, uh, I saw a video of myself that was shot 25 years ago. Uh, I found it on Facebook. Somebody posted it on Facebook. And it was funny because, you know, it was before kind of HD TV, so it was a little blurry. And when I was watching it, I didn't know who it was because I didn't recognize my voice, and I didn't, and then I thought, that's me, right? And then it made me think of what I was like 25 years ago, and I was thinking of how foolish I was 25 years ago in so many ways. And then I, it made me start to think in 10-year segments. Now, when I was 15, and I look back on when I was five, I, I would look back on the five-year-old version of myself, and I'd just go, how immature the five-year-old was how foolish that five-year-old was. Which is why when I was 15 and my mom would want to show a video to my 15-year-old girlfriend of when I was five, I would say, Mom, don't. Why? Because I'm embarrassed. It's humiliating because of the, the five-year-old version of myself. It's so foolish. And then I thought when I was 25, looking back on the 15-year-old version of myself, and as a 25-year-old, looking back on the 15-year-old version of myself, I'd say, like, what a tool that kid was, right? What a fool. And then I look at when I was a 35-year-old person, looking back on the 25-year-old version of me, and I think, why would my wife ever marry me? I was such a buffoon. And then I stopped. You know why I stopped? Because I was thinking, I wonder what, in 10 years, that... Joe will think of this version of me. And I realized I've always been an idiot. <laughs> I've always been a fool. I've always been a buffoon. And you are too. <laughs> you just don't know it. Ten years from now, you will look back on this version of yourself and you'll go, oh, man. But we don't know what we don't know because we are clueless. Which is why Jesus, when he could choose any animal, he said, you want to know what you're like? You're like a sheep. And then we are prone to wander. You know, there are times when a human being will run from danger, and that's a good thing. But so many times, we will wander right towards danger. I mean, nobody thinks pornography is good for you. 
Nobody thinks pornography does something good for your soul or for your relationships, and yet we still wander to those same websites. Nobody thinks that, uh, that affairs are good for the fabric of society. Nobody thinks they're ever going to get addicted, yet we go further, closer and closer to the flame. And some of you are getting close to the flame even now, and you and only you know you are. The question is why? Because the hymn writer had it right when he said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Jesus, when looking for an animal to compare you to, compare me to, chose a sheep. Because we are terribly dependent, we are clueless, and we are prone to wander. But then he, in looking for something to compare himself to, he said, I am like a good shepherd. A good shepherd. Why does he compare himself to a shepherd? A shepherd is comprehensive in their care for the sheep. This is why it gets so personal, so intimate. Because a shepherd has to provide for the sheep because the sheep can't provide for themselves. A shepherd has to defend the sheep, has to protect the sheep, has to heal the sheep. And even as I wrote those words as I was preparing for this message, and I wrote down that a a good shepherd provides for the sheep, protects the sheep, defends the sheep, heals the sheep, I could feel myself going, oh, I long for a shepherd. I want a shepherd. You do too. Because if we're honest, those of us who are married, that's one of the reasons we got married. We wanted a shepherd, somebody who would provide that affection, that companionship that we so desperately long for so we won't feel lonely. We needed somebody who would defend us when we needed to be defended. We We wanted somebody to heal us in the deep wounds of our souls. Which is why when I I look back on my marriage with my wife Karen and early on in our marriage, most of our fights were about shepherding. Where I'd say to her in so many words, I was the shepherd yesterday, I'm the sheep today. You, You provide for me, you care for me, defend me, protect me, heal me today. And of course the problem with our marriage is that there are too many days where there are two sheep and no shepherd. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're probably looking for a shepherd too. You might have divided up the shepherd's responsibilities, different things. That's what we usually do. Where our career gives us something for our self-esteem, something that we need from a shepherd. And then we get something from our significant other and something from our children and something from our friends. But of course, the problem with shepherds is that they're always letting us down or they're always going away. Children grow up and leave the home. Friends betray. Significant others sometimes die. Careers end. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful to have a shepherd who would not leave, who would say, I will always be your shepherd I will provide for you, defend you, protect you, even heal you. Jesus compares himself to a shepherd because a good shepherd always is with the sheep. A good shepherd never leaves the sheep. If you know anything about first century shepherds, and I've read some about them, they're very low on the social scale. No one wanted to be around shepherds. You know why? Because shepherds smelled. They smelled like sheep. 
because a good shepherd would never leave the sheep. He couldn't leave the sheep. Jesus turns to his followers and he says this, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Why? Because Jesus was saying, I am your shepherd. A good shepherd leads the sheep. He has to lead the sheep because the sheep don't know where they're going. You know, the most beloved psalm is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. A shepherd leads because he knows where the sheep need to go. One of the Old Testament stories I have fallen in love with over the years is the story of Jacob. If you don't know anything about Jacob's life, Jacob's life was full of uncertainty. He was uncertain of whether he would ever get a blessing. Then he was uncertain about his relationship with his brother and whether that would end his life. He was uncertain of the life or death of his son, Joseph. He was uncertain whether he should go to Egypt. His whole life, day after day, full of uncertainty. And then at the end of his life, in Genesis chapter 48, he's looking back on his life, and he says this, looking back on my life, this is what I see, that the Lord has been my shepherd all the days of my life. What was he saying? He was saying my, my whole life was full of uncertainty because I didn't know what the next day would bring. But Jesus did. And this is true. I don't know what tomorrow will bring for me. You don't know what tomorrow holds for you. But a shepherd leads the sheep and Jesus knows. And now at this stage of my life, looking back on my life and all the different times I was uncertain about where I was going or what was going on, I can look back and say like Jacob, the Lord has been my shepherd all the days of my life. Jesus compares himself to a shepherd because a shepherd cares for the sheep. A shepherd like leads the sheep, but more than anything, A shepherd treasures the sheep. Jesus says, verse 12 and 13, he was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I don't don't blame that guy. (laughs) He's paid by the hour. Why should he risk his life for the sheep? That's Jesus' point. Jesus says a good shepherd For a good shepherd, he thinks differently of the sheep. He treasures the sheep. More than that, for a shepherd who owns the sheep, the sheep are his treasure. His entire wealth was on the hoof out there in the field. No wonder he would spend every moment of every day providing for them, defending them, protecting them, healing them. No wonder he would risk his life, even give his life, because they weren't just something he treasured. They were his treasure. Jesus, in searching for some way to describe how he feels toward you, how he thinks about you, out of all the things that he could have chosen, he chose shepherd, a good shepherd. So now the question is, what does it mean when Jesus becomes your true shepherd? The first thing it means, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. First thing that happens when Jesus becomes your true shepherd is that you are finally 
fully known. You are finally fully known. We go through our lives like it's a job interview. You know, in a job interview, you're always trying to put your best foot forward. You're trying to present the best part of yourself so that you can get the job. You're trying to convince somebody you're actually better than you are. That's the way we go through life, right? This is no surprise. I didn't roll out of bed looking like this. This took some work right here, right? Why? Because I'm presenting myself to you a certain way. And that's the way we go through life, holding some of our of ourselves back because we're not sure what will happen if somebody actually knows all of us. It's almost like we're the kind of people that have dirty laundry all over the place. When the doorbell rings, we grab all the dirty laundry and we throw it in the closet and close the closet and act like everything is clean. Wouldn't it be a relief to finally be fully known? I, I take that back. It wouldn't be a relief to finally be fully known. It'd be terrifying. Right? Because we all know what it feels like to have somebody know a part of us and then reject that part of us. We all know what it's like when we give somebody something that, where we are unguarded or unadorned and they, they push us away or they turn away from us. There is no pain quite like that pain because deep down we know they have rejected the real us, which is why we go through life only showing part of ourselves. The only way being fully known would be finally a relief is if at the exact time you are fully known, you are also fully loved. And that brings me to the second thing, that when Jesus becomes your true shepherd, you are not only fully known, you are also fully treasured and fully loved, which is why Jesus twice in this passage says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus lays his life down for you, not because you fooled him into thinking that you are some kind of above-average, exceptional sheep. Jesus knows you. He knows you in all your sheepness. He knows what you were like 10 years ago. He knows what you will be like 10 years from now. And he has decided that you are his treasure. And so he loves you. And to be fully known and fully loved is the cry of every human heart. It is your cry right now. And it's only at the cross of Jesus that we, that we have that cry met, where we have someone who says, I know everything about you, and I love you. I treasure you. I give myself for you. And that brings me to the third Thing that happens when Jesus becomes your true shepherd. You're not only fully known, but fully loved, and that means you are finally fully alive. That's why Jesus says, I came that they could have life and have it abundantly. A human being is never fully alive until they are fully known and fully loved. You will never be fully alive until you recognize that you are fully known, fully loved, right? And that's why Jesus, when he comes to you, if you are a Christian, Jesus is constantly coming to you and saying, let me into every part of your life. And he's asking you to let him into every part of your life because he wants to give you more 
life. And so many times as Christians, we give Jesus part of our life and we withhold part of it. We say, you can have my love life because that's a wreck right now and I need you there, but I won't let you into my finances because I want to control that or vice versa. And Jesus who says, I know you fully, I love you fully, why would you think that I, if I come into part of your life that somehow I would take life from you? I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. So if you're a Christian, you are holding something back from Jesus. He's saying, let me in. Let me in. I've already proven to you I am your true shepherd. If you're here and you're not a Christian, chances are you're still looking for a shepherd. Someone who would provide for you, defend you, protect you, heal you. And if deep down in your heart you have that cry to be fully known and fully loved and you feel that right now, it may be Jesus you are looking for. Because only Jesus is your true shepherd. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you and I am so, so grateful. I think of how I long to just uh, fall into the arms of a shepherd who will provide and protect and defend and heal me. And I pray that every single person here who acknowledges you as their savior will feel you as their shepherd even today. That they will feel fully known, fully loved, fully alive. And, and I pray that we will not hold anything back, any part of our life back from you, but let you have all of us. I pray for those who are not Christians. I pray that as they search for shepherds in their life, that they will be drawn to you and where they will finally be fully known, fully loved by someone. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for being a wonderful Savior. We pray this in your name. Amen.